Welcome to the Dying Task Podcast and our first show of 2022. Happy New Year. But is it really a happy new year? Kind of has the second verse, same as the first kind of feel to it, if you ask me, but choosing positivity, we are moving on and hoping for better things very, very soon. We start this year out by being called to the principal's office. Miss Fitzpatrick, I need to see you. Haven't heard that one in a while. This time, however, it turns out really well. I got a letter from Annette Roberts-Murray. She is the principal of Julia Morgan Elementary School. So here's the letter. Let me just grab it. Miss Fitzpatrick. See, it still starts out the same way. I am an elementary school principal in Stockton, and I recently published a children's book that focuses on how students are navigating the pandemic. It addresses some of the struggles that many kids have faced during the pandemic. And as adults, we sometimes focus on our well-being and we overlook how our kids are coping. I hope my book will encourage students who are struggling physically and emotionally to get through this pandemic. I hope it will encourage and inspire them to seek help if they need it. And I'd love my book to be featured on your news and your podcast. So that was the letter. And I'll be honest. Um, right now, I am not a fan of the pandemic or anything related to it. I really, I'm, I'm kind of over it, like a lot of you. I don't like the TV shows that have come out and they incorporate the pandemic and masks into their, their storytelling. I want to escape when I pick up a book or I, I watch a show. But I read the book. And then I remembered how when my kids were really small that books about hard things were really helpful to read to them to help them explain to things that were going on in our lives. So I remember one specifically, my former co-anchor, my pal Adrian Bankert, gave me a book when we had an old dog who died and she gave me a book the next day about dogs dying. <laughs> and I was like, AB, really? A book about dogs dying? Like we're trying to like move on. Um, and then, but I read the book to my kids and they loved it and they related to it. So AB, very wise. And I actually passed that book on to another family who had a dog that died, because fortunately you don't need that book too often, right? So Annette's book kind of gave me that same feel. Like I started reading it and I'm like, gosh, this is actually really great because it's the pandemic told through the lens of her nephew and his experience of being a kid in the pandemic. And this book is, it's really great. It's just kind of a gift to kids and to families. And it is apparently a hot ticket in her school library, as well it should be. So here's Annette reading the beginning of the book. The days turned into weeks, the weeks into months, and the months into a year. The coronavirus brought with it quarantine, isolation, social distancing, and boredom. I would often stare out of the front window of my living room looking for a sign of life, but I didn't see anyone for a long time. There weren't any kids outside laughing and playing like they used to. Sometimes I would see one or two kids outside, but they were just walking around because they couldn't play with other kids. Even if we went outside, I, and as well as other kids, could not play with anyone because we had to stay six feet apart. Doesn't she have a great voice? I was really like lulled into that there for a while. So when I interviewed Mrs. Murray, because it still feels kind of weird at my age to call a principal by her first name still, um, she just lit up the Zoom box. And that is not easy to do. Annette is warm and kind. She exudes hope. And we talked at length about where her hope comes from. She has spent 22 years in education as a high school social studies teacher and then as an administrator. Currently, she's a K-6 through principal. She played basketball in college. And speaking of baller, she rides a motorcycle on the weekend. So it is totally worth getting called into the principal's office to hang out with someone as cool 
as Mrs. Murray. I'm this dying to ask why Annette decided that the world needed a kid's book about the pandemic and what she hopes will happen next with her book. It's called Pandemonium. <laughs> Such a good title. A reality check on what she is seeing in schools and her advice for anyone in navigating this mess nearly two years later. And how you can stay hopeful despite, well, everything. Annette Roberts-Murray, Mrs. Murray, the principal, the school principal, is my guest on This Dying to Ask. I'm Deirdre Fitzpatrick, and I've been anchoring morning news for more than 20 years. I thought I had seen and covered it all. Then came coronavirus, a pandemic, anchoring in my living room, homeschooling my kids, and all the things that come with COVID, including a vaccine. It was supposed to get us all back on track and living our best Instagrammable lives. Best lives-ish. The reality is we're still untangling what life looks like in a world post-pandemic. A lot of people describe a sense of never-ending overwhelm and anxiety. Is that just what life is like now? Or are there ways we can get back to living in the now? And this season of the Dying Desk podcast is asking how we can hit the restart and start living again. Annette, thank you for being on the Dying Desk podcast. I'm really excited to talk to you today. Thank you for having me, Deidre. Of course. So your book is called Pandemonium. And um, really, I don't know how somebody didn't think of this title sooner because it's perfect for what we've been doing over the last two years. Where'd the idea come from for you? Well, I'm going to tell you, I was looking around at all the kids at my school and, and thinking about how the craziness of, you know, having to have kids come to school, not come to school, going to the store, seeing people grab everything off the shelves, uh, talking about uh, the numbers and how they were going up. It was just total chaos. And it just gave me the idea to write about what kids were going through through this pandemic. You are a, an elementary school principal. And so you've been on the front lines of watching this whole thing unfold with the kids. What did you know they needed in a book to help them process where we've been the last two years? Well, the first thing that came to mind was the whole mental health uh, piece for our kids. Uh, a lot of our kids had been um, out of school for over a year and they had not had the whole socialization piece of being able to interact with other kids. But, you know, behind closed doors, the whole isolation piece and their whole mental health status, kids were already struggling before the pandemic came and then the pandemic hit and it just magnified everything. And so I would say the greatest need, even now that I see as a school administrator, is the whole mental health piece. We've got to get our kids the counseling to get them back to where they need to be. Do you remember when you, when you had the kids come back on campus um, at the beginning of this school year? I've heard a lot of people in your position say they knew it would be bad. They just didn't realize how bad it was going to be in terms of the disparities of kids. There are some kids who who did all right, and some kids who really, really didn't. Do you remember your first, your first thoughts that first week? Yeah, the first week was very difficult because uh, we didn't have our, all of our kids come back at once. And so there was small numbers and they continued to grow as parents felt more comfortable sending their kids back to school. But one of the things that I noticed right off the bat is that our kids were, uh, had been suffering from the whole isolation. We do a student survey in our district and we surveyed our kids and when i looked at that data i saw that there were so many kids who felt depressed who felt anxiety who didn't feel connected to school anymore and so those are the kids that you know i targeted and made sure that we were getting counseling services for those kids 
And those are just the kids who are willing to tell you that they were having problems. Yes, yes. You are so right because there are some kids who won't open up or who are afraid to communicate and talk about their feelings because uh, for whatever reason, some kids have been taught, hey, you just keep pushing forward uh, and you just keep doing what you need to do. But, you know, they, they haven't been taught to express themselves and say, hey, I'm struggling here. This is how I'm feeling. I need help. And so reaching out to those kids, first being able to identify them and then reaching out to them is huge. And so needless to say, our counselors have been overwhelmed with the amount of kids that they are seeing at this time. Yeah, you know, with younger kids, it's it's often easiest to teach them through stories, which I think is what's so lovely about the book that you wrote. Tell me a little bit about the process. Like, at what point did you decide, you know, I, I need a way to connect with these kids in a different kind of way? How did you make the decision to write the book? And then how did you decide what needed to be in that? Well, you know, I have a nephew who lives down in uh, Montgomery, Alabama, and the book is really based on him. And he was really struggling through the pandemic. And I called and I talked to him and I said, tell me how you're feeling. And he began to open up to me and he, he struggles with ADD. So he already has a hard time focusing. And imagine all those kids who are struggling because they have ADD or some other medical condition where they can't focus for long periods of time. And they're being asked to sit at a computer and learn all day long. I mean, we as adults have a hard time doing that, but yet we expected our children to be able to do it. And so in talking to him and listening to him, it really sparked something on the inside of me that he's not the only kid that's going through this. There's hundreds of thousands of kids out there that are going through this and they need some tools to help them to navigate through this thing. And so as you started to write the story, had you ever written a children's book before? I mean, I wouldn't even know where to start with something like that. No, Deidre, I had never written a children's book before, but I had written two other books. And so I love to write. I love to be able to put things onto paper. And so in listening to him communicate, I tried to paint a vivid picture of how he was feeling so that other kids could relate to that. The pictures had to go along with the story so that kids could get that visual. Because I understand that we have auditory learners who learn by hearing, but we also have visual learners who learn by seeing. And so that was very important for this book. I love the illustrations in it as well. How did, how did you bring that part of it together? I just began to think about everything that Carson was telling me. And as he was telling me uh, how he was feeling and what he was going through, um, me, myself, I'm a visual learner. And so I was able to imagine everything in my mind. And as I was imagining it, imagining it, I was writing it down. This is what it should look like. And so I communicated that to the illustrator that this is how it has to look is because this is the picture that I have in my mind. Well, it's wonderful. Um, the, the finished product is just fantastic. Talk about some of the, the themes that are in the book that um, you felt were really important to communicate? Well, the first uh, thing that I felt was really important to communicate is acknowledging that kids are having a difficult time going through this pandemic. I wanted to acknowledge the fact that some kids are struggling with depression and anxiety uh, because of what they're feeling, because of the isolation 
not being able to connect with their family members for long periods of time. I mean, that whole year, uh, you had kids who weren't able to see their cousins and their grandparents and people who lived outside of their household. And you had close-knit families, and that was very difficult for kids. The other piece that I wanted to make sure that people were aware of is that sometimes, you know, we live in our world and we don't always acknowledge that people who are living in a, in a different world, and I mean socioeconomics, mm -hmm. it affects us differently depending on what your socioeconomics is. And so you had kids who were in inner city public schools who may have been struggling more than the kids that were out in your suburban schools who maybe had the more resources than those kids who were in the inner city schools. And so uh, in talking to my nephew, you know, I heard him say, oh, I've got kids whose parents are in the military. Uh, they're in on the brink of losing their homes and they're taking these Navy showers. And I never heard of a Navy shower. I never oh, yeah. knew what that was uh, until, yeah, until I had that conversation with my nephew. He's like, oh, it's just a quick shower. It's what they do in, in, in the Navy. And I said, wow. And so I'm learning as I'm talking to him, I'm being more enlightened about how kids are really going through this pandemic on different levels. And so I also wanted to hit on what it looked like out in society, the whole grabbing of you know, the, the resources that we need, people going to the store, grabbing the toilet paper and you know, right. the cleaning supplies. And this is something kids can relate to because they're mm -hmm. at the store with their parents and they're seeing them. And so that's yeah. what I really wanted to touch on. You know, I, I feel like over the last two years, people have said, oh, kids are resilient. I've heard that kids are resilient so many times. And yes, kids are resilient. A lot of people are resilient. But sometimes I feel like it's dismissive of their struggles because as adults, we have decades of life experience we can fall back on when all of this has been going on, not mm -hmm. saying it makes it easier, but at least we can, we can fall back on prior experiences and, and dig deep to try to find something to help us. Kids don't have that. And, and sometimes I felt in that when people said, oh, kids are resilient, we just kind of leave them. And I, I wonder if that's why, you know, so many of these kids are still struggling, you know? Deirdre, I think you're absolutely right. I think that a lot of our kids have been left behind because we've been so busy focusing on the vaccine and we've been so busy focusing on the economy and uh, our mental health as adults. And no one's really talking about our children and how our children are struggling. We know just from looking at the data that the suicide rate amongst our children has escalated, which is a red flag that our children are sitting out a 911. They're asking for help. There's a cry for help out there, and we need to start paying attention and we need to start addressing their needs. They are resilient, but there is only so much they can do. If you don't have the tools in your toolbox, you cannot be expected to build the house. Yeah. That's so true, isn't it? And for these, some of these kids, I mean, you take a 12-year-old in that, figure you don't really have memories for the first couple of years of your life, and now you have three school years where coronavirus has been a daily thing, where you've been wearing a mask, and you're looking at 25% of your life spent during a pandemic. And it is a really difficult thing for a lot of these kids. And, and I do worry as we go forward. I mean, I, I, I do worry about 
not only these schools, but, but these kids who have been left behind and the disparities we were already trying to address before all of this started. Um, I'm curious from an educator's point of view, do you feel hopeful about where we're heading with all of this? I do feel hopeful. I have to feel hopeful as an educator because I, I, I need to know and believe that our kids are going to come out of this and that they're going to be okay. When our kids came back, we already knew that they were gonna be one year behind. We knew that there was gonna be regression because they were not in school. And so as an administrator, that was something that I was tasked with is how do I get kids back up to speed? And you know, I had some parents were calling saying, oh, I wanna have my child retained. There's no way that they're ready to go on to the next grade, but my, uh, you know, my answer to that, my response to that was, we don't want to double ding our kids. Our kids are already suffering because of the pandemic. Let us try to fill in the gaps and try to get them up to speed as we go, uh, as we go forward, because everybody is behind. It's not just your child. It's all the kids. There's, there was a few kids who came back that you knew that they were working on some type of educational program when they were out of school. But the majority of them, there were gaps. And we're still trying to fill in those gaps. Well, some of that, you know, you fill in gaps when you're able to have these conversations and get the kids open to the learning and all the rest of it. And I think that's what's so wonderful about the book is that it opens that dialogue. Um, what was it like actually reading the book to kids? Because kids are wonderful in that they, um, they don't hide if they don't like something, <laughs> especially with the book. So was it, a little, was it a little scary going in and reading the book to the kids? Well, no, I don't think I was afraid. I think what I was looking forward to was having the dialogue with them about how it made them feel. So in the process of reading the book, I paused. Uh, in some areas, and I asked kids to give me their feedback of what they thought about it. And it was amazing how many kids said, you know what, Miss Murray, I felt just like that during the pandemic. I felt like I was looking out of my window and I didn't see any kids outside and I wanted to go out and play with my friends, but there was no one around. I felt just like I was struggling during distance learning and I wanted to go back to school so bad. I miss seeing my friends and, and, and I felt fear and I was afraid, you know, that my family was going to get the coronavirus. They started opening up and started communicating to me that they felt just like Carson and that was it for me because I knew that I had pushed that button, that I had hit, you know, that nerve. And it was, it was freeing for them to be able to communicate their feelings to me. And that's kind of the beauty of telling stories in, in a school setting is being able to, to, for the kids to identify. And then, like you said, start that dialogue, maybe to let some of that stuff come out. Yes. You know, it was amazing to me, Deidre, how many kids have been coming uh, to me saying, Miss Murray, I just want you to know, I, I just so much enjoy your book and I want you to know I got my vaccine. And I'm like, oh, wow. And they're all just, uh, just kind of overwhelmed with the situation, but also understanding that there is hope at the end. There is hope for us to keep moving forward. And I'm so grateful for that. Where, where does your hope come from? Because you strike me as just a very optimistic, hopeful person, period. Well, I can tell you my hope comes from my faith. I, I am a Christian and I do believe that, you know, 
this thing is going to work out. I pray every day. I pray for my school. I pray for my, you know, the children. And I think it's my faith is what has gotten me through and continues to get me. Where would you like to take this book? Do you have kind of a bigger picture of what you'd like to do with it? Yes, I do. Um, I'd like to take this book uh, and see it in schools all around, you know, the United States, all around the world. I'd like to see it as a tool that is being used even by counselors and, and teachers and librarians to help kids to identify the feelings that they're feeling and to be able to work through those feelings. Uh, I'd like to see the book in homes that parents are reading to their children and having the dialogue and saying, tell me how you're feeling. I know I work every day and sometimes I get caught up in the day-to-day, -day, but let me pause and let me listen to my children to see how they're feeling, that I can help to get them what they need. I, I found the last two years as a parent to be obviously the toughest probably yet. I mean, I thought those baby years were tough. That was nothing. <laughs> I would take I would take the sleepless nights over what we've dealt with over the last two years any day. Um, what can we as parents do to help our kids more? Um, and maybe we could break it down into different age groups. You know, so like say for those elementary school students, how what can we as parents do to help the teachers, to help the people like you who are guiding our kids during the day? What should we be doing at this point? I would say the key thing for me would be the communication piece to make sure that you're talking to your child, that you're listening to how they're feeling. And, and validate their feelings. Tell them it's okay to be afraid sometimes. It's okay to feel unsure, but we're here to help you as a family structure. The school is here to help you uh, as you know, education uh, is here. The teachers are here to help you and give them hope that they can continue to move forward, that there are resources out there that will uh, that can be used to meet their needs. And so I think that communication piece is key. The kids that I see in my office uh, that are really, really struggling are those who have pent up aggression, those who haven't had a release and been able to talk about how they're feeling. And by the time they get to my office, Deirdre, it's spilling over. It's spilling mm -hmm. over. Oh my God, Miss Murray, this is what's happening. Uh, my parents are going through a divorce and on top of the pandemic, I just don't think I can make it. And so this pandemic has compounded and, and magnified the other issues that they're dealing with in their life because they don't have the skills. They don't have the tools, the emotional tools to navigate their way through this thing. And so that communication is key. Parents need to sit down, talk to your child, but don't just talk, listen, hear what's in their hearts and meet them right where they are. Are there things that we can do differently as parents in communicating with those teachers that would be more helpful right now? Yes, I think uh, making sure that you're keeping in contact with teachers about how your child is progressing uh, you know, on the educational level, but also on the emotional level. You want to talk to your teacher, your uh, child's teacher and say, hey, have you noticed anything different about Johnny? Is he struggling emotionally? What's going on with, with Catherine? Is she having a difficult time? Because how kids act at school is totally different than how they behave at home sometimes. Mm -hmm. Once they get around their peers, 
It's a whole different ball game. And I have always told people raising two boys, I will never say what my kids won't do once they leave my house and they oh. get around their peers. I have two boys as well. And isn't that the truth? <laughs> very, very true. Um, what have you done over the course of the last two years to keep yourself on track? Because you, you and I share one thing in common in that our jobs didn't take a break. We had to continue doing what we do every no. day, just in different ways. And checking out was not an option for either one of us. So for me, it has meant like I run, that's my stress relief. I run for my sanity, not my vanity at this point in my life. And so I have run a lot. I've gone outside. I've had to clear my head when I've had to say coronavirus at work 1700 times a day. What have you done to be able to continue doing what you do? What, what has given you some escape? I think, you know, like I said, uh, my faith, uh, I pray a lot. Uh, I also exercise. I try to work out at least three days out the week, three to four days if I'm not too busy. The other thing is I ride my bike. I have a motorcycle, like I told you, and a three-wheeler spider. Once I get on my spider and I began to ride, there's, there's a freedom that comes over me like nothing else. And it has that. allowed me, you know, the opportunity to escape allows me to escape for a little while and come back rejuvenated. Yeah. You got to escape every once in a while, don't you? And, and being, yes, being able will. to take care of our kids means you have to take care of yourself first sometimes. Exactly. And, and, you know, that's the other thing that um, I want to say to parents as, as we're going forward and we're looking to heal our children and to give our children what they need. I encourage every parent to make sure that you take care of yourself, because if you don't take care of yourself, you will not be any good for your child. If your child is constantly, constantly seeing you anxious or depressed or angry or whatever the case may be, they soak that up like a sponge. All of those emotions they carry with them because they love you and they don't want to see you hurting. And so please, Take care of yourself and you will be taking care of your children in the process. I know, I know you love being a, a principal, but I think motivational speaking could be in your future too. Thank you, Deidre. I'm going to fill up your days line, a little bit more. Uh, eventually. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much. Thank you of so course. much. You know, if I can help anyone, that's my goal. Now, I know you have uh, the book as you've, you've distributed the book throughout the school. And uh, I hear you have a couple of copies in the library and it's a hot ticket. Yes, it is also available on Amazon and it is in Barnes and Nobles. If anyone wants to pick up a copy, you can order it online in Amazon and it is in ebook form also. Oh, that's wonderful. The book is Pandemonium by Annette Roberts Murray. Thank you so much for reaching out and, and sharing the story. I think it's really wonderful. And at first, when I heard that you had written the book, I thought, oh, I don't know if I want books about the pandemic. And then as I started to read, I'm like, oh, we need books about the pandemic. It's fantastic. And I know you're starting a dialogue that needs to be had with these kids. So I hope the rest of the school year goes as well as it can. And, and thank you for being out there and inspiring our kids. Thank you so much, Deirdre, for having me. Annette, thank Thank you so much. Pandemonium is out now. I think it would be a great gift maybe to give to your kids' school library um, for teachers to use maybe with some of those younger grades. You can get it on barnesandnoble.com, 
Amazon and in quite a few local bookstores. Now, usually I reach out to potential guests, but as I mentioned in the intro, Annette actually wrote me a letter, loved the letter and sent me a book. You don't have to send me free stuff, but you can reach out to me um, either through snail mail or social media. It's probably the quicker. Instagram is the best. You can locate me at runratesip on Instagram. And if you like this show, would you take a second and just leave a rating or review right now, wherever you're listening to it, whatever app you're on, just go in and hit a bunch of stars. As many stars as they offer would be my preference on that. And um, just a heads up, we hit a goal that I had for last year, which was to surpass the 300 ratings or reviews mark on Apple Podcasts. And you wouldn't think it's a big deal, but it really is. It's a big deal in terms of attracting guests and in the show, kind of bumping up the algorithm on all these podcast platforms. I would explain the algorithm, but I can't. But trust me, like leaving the rating review seems to be the thing that drives the whole thing. So thanks to anybody who's taken a second to do that. My next episode is going to be about something called pandemic brain. It's a thing. I have a raging case of it. I'm sick of pandemic brain. And I actually started doing something about it. Um, and it's been pretty good. I am, I'm starting to see some light at the end of a very long, dark tunnel. So I'll tell you how my battle against pandemic brain is going next time on Dying to Ask.